out tonight, go to Genesis chapter number 45. Genesis 45, moving on with Joseph tonight, going to try to wrap up his road to readiness and excited about finishing one up and looking forward to beginning a new one next Wednesday night. Genesis chapter 45, if you're there, uh, let's go ahead and stand together and look down to verse number one. Hope you've had a good day. Good to have our kids in here tonight. Don't normally have them. Uh, Summer has officially kicked off. Hope you're enjoying that. Uh, Getting to sleep in a little extra, right? Mom and dad letting you sleep in a little. Yeah, they're getting some thumbs up on the front row. And uh, I know that's one of the most heartbreaking things when you graduate high school. A couple of our graduates realizing that now is that once you start going to work, you don't get summer vacation from work, do you? It's just nonstop the rest of your life. And why you work so hard to get out of school, I don't know, you know. I think some of those guys that I went to school with that kept flunking every few years, they had something figured out. Uh, They didn't want to have to go join the workforce and get out for summer. Genesis 45, let's jump into verse 1 tonight if we could. And going to finish up with Joseph, and uh, I have so enjoyed personally studying the life of Joseph the last few weeks, just really in detail as we followed him down this road of readiness. And tonight, we're going to look at the last stop. Boy, we could have went with several more, but didn't feel led to, really. Uh, We just kind of jumped from chapter 39 to 45. That's what the Lord would have us to do. And tonight, we're going to end on a high note, uh, but it's kind of a deep note. Not going to cut up a lot tonight, to be honest with you. I just want to be serious as we cover something tonight that I think we're all going to have to deal with on our road to readiness. So let's look at verse 1. The Bible says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. Now, I hope you know by now the backstory of Joseph well enough. Joseph has come out of the prison. God has once and, uh, once and for all lifted him up to the place that he's going to be second in command of Egypt. Now, Joseph sits on this throne, if you will, and his brothers unknowingly have come into his presence looking for food, something to have, and Joseph has disguised himself. Uh, he, uh, they don't know who he is just yet, and he's talked with them many times. They've gone back and forth many times, but now the Bible says in verse 1, he can't refrain himself anymore. The Bible says, cause every man, this is what he said, to go out from me, and there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. Uh, You couldn't write a better movie script than realize what's about to happen. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you again for your word. And uh, Lord, tonight, uh, I believe this is probably one of the most important stops we need to make, not just as a church, but as a Christian tonight. 
Lord, I believe all of us are going to have to come to this place, and I pray that you'd help us tonight. Uh, Lord, I don't want to say too much. Lord, uh, don't let me not say something that I need to say. Just give me liberty. I pray that most importantly, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to our hearts clearly. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I have gone back and and reread and reread notes that I have made on the life of Joseph the past few weeks. Even today, I, I took some time to print them off and put them in a binder uh, because the path Joseph is on is one that I recognize very well. It's one I think you recognize very well. We keep looking back at Abraham and all the mountaintop experiences that Abraham had. Uh, and I love mountaintop experiences. Aren't they nice when God gives you a mountaintop experience? Uh, but oftentimes in the world, particularly in our world, uh, we don't have those mountaintop experiences as often maybe as we would like, and sometimes I do think we relate to Joseph better. Uh, let's do a quick review. Where did he start? He started in the pit, uh, and then God lifted him up out of the pit, and then he gets on the path. On that path, he was sold out several times, sold out by his brothers to the Midianites. The Midianites sold him out to Potiphar, and then he ends up at Potiphar's house. Potiphar's house, he's in a strange world, nothing is normal to him, and yet God had preeminence even in Potiphar's house. Aren't you glad for that? I'm thankful God has preeminence no matter what situation I am in. And then not long after Potiphar's house, things seem to be going well, Joseph gets thrown into prison. And so it's kind of like a heart monitor, highs and lows, highs and lows. One moment things are going well, and he's prospering, the next minute he's thrown into prison. That kind of sounds like our life, doesn't it? Uh, I wish I always lived up on those high moments, but it's not always that. There's low moments in life, and sometimes the floor drops completely out from under you, and you find yourself going from prosperity to the prison. And that's where we left Joseph, was in the prison. But what did the Bible say twice? But the Lord was with him. Aren't you glad? No matter what prison you end up in, hopefully not a real one, okay? <laughs> if you do, I'll come see you, uh, but uh, I hope you don't go to that kind of prison. But he was in a prison of perjury, we called it. The prison of perjury was he was in a place because of things that were said about him. Potiphar's wife, she said, she said, she said, and yet Joseph never uttered a word. Joseph didn't cry out. He let God answer for him, and boy, did God answer for him. Because now Joseph's at a place that we all want to be, all right? Joseph's at a place that we're going to call tonight a place of peace, all right? The last stop on Joseph's road to readiness is a place that we're going to call the place of peace. Now, why are we calling it that? Well, he's finally reached the top. Uh, there's going to be no more ups and downs really in his life. The Lord had been using all of that to get him to his, this place where the Bible says that God in verse 5 sent him there to preserve life. Now, we can't neglect something tonight right off the bat. There's really only one point, and it has two subpoints. okay? So stick with me. It's not a deep, deep message tonight, but it's a very serious point that we all need to get before we leave here. It's imperative that we recognize that the place of peace that Joseph is at now was not a place that he arrived at easily. Okay? Now, all of us would like peace to come easily, Right? Uh, I mean, today, sitting in my office, I saw a book in my reading that I've never read before, uh, and it talked about the complaining nation that we're living in now and how everybody complains about everything. Uh, and I thought, man, that sounds like an interesting book. I went on Amazon less than two minutes later. I had ordered it, and it's on my way. It's already shipped. I mean, just convenience of the world we live in. And I wish peace came that easy, don't you? I wish that I had peace all the time in my life to where everything seems to be going right and I'm sitting in a position where Joseph's at and things are, are going right all the way around me. But 
those times don't come easily in our lives. They're not going to be times of convenience for sure. I want you to notice something. I'll read you this verse, Joshua eleven twenty three. Listen to what the Bible says. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had given to Moses, and Joshua gave it for inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. Listen to this. And the land rested from war. The land rested from war. Now, Joseph or, or Joshua is in a place of peace, much like Joseph is at. But notice Joshua had to fight his way all the way to that place of peace. There are times you and I are going to have to fight our way to getting to the place of peace. Now, here's the mistake we make. Oftentimes, we think that peace is going to be the product of perfect circumstances. That I will have peace when all of the circumstances in my life are all my ducks are in a row, right? I'll have peace when the kids are acting right, when my husband is, is loving me like Christ loved the church, and everybody in my neighborhood thinks that I have the greatest lawn in the community. That's what we think. But peace, listen to me tonight, peace is not the product of perfect circumstances. Peace is produced through persevering through your circumstances. That's when you find peace. Joseph reached this place of peace, not because everything was going right in his world. Joseph reached this place of peace because he kept persevering through the circumstances that he went through. Now, folks, tonight, if you and I want peace in our life and to reach the place of peace in our life, there's going to be, have to be some perseverance in that. Now, this is something we're lacking in America. Uh, I know around the world, people still have to work hard and struggle just to get by in their daily life, but we've had it too good for too long. And anytime we have to struggle and work for anything, uh, I mean, we just want to give up and we want to quit. I call them happiness hoppers, okay? We are happiness hoppers in America. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, we hop from happiness to happiness to happiness. We'll have happiness in this one area of our life, and when we quit having happiness there, we hop to another area. And we continually just hop to our happiness rather than persevere through the bad times to find happiness in the same place. I know people who do that in their marriages. Man, they don't have happiness in this one. We're going to hop to another one. Sure do. Ask Elizabeth Taylor. She was quite the hopper. My wife, I forget what, it, no, it was my daughter. Yesterday, there was an advertisement on our television for the life story of Elizabeth Taylor. Miley asked who that was, and uh, I says, well, let me tell you a little bit about Elizabeth Taylor. She's been married eight times. Rather than persevere through one to find happiness, she just kept hopping. I know people who do that with church, too, by the way. They don't want to grunt out any tough times. They want to grunt out any difficulty. We're just going to keep hopping around. And can I tell you, there's that phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Do you know why it's greener? Do you know why another spouse or another church or another job always seems like the best idea? It's because you don't know them and they don't know you yet. You get over there and you realize there's humans on the other side of the fence just like there were humans on your side of the fence. You realize, you know, that that person that I thought was much dreamier than the spouse that I have, you realize they have problems too. It's not a point of, of hopping for our happiness. It's persevering to find peace. That's how Joseph got here. Joseph didn't give up and quit when things were tough. Joseph just kept persevering in order to find this place of peace in his life. Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians 4. I only have one point, so I'm going to give you a long introduction, okay? Be careful for nothing. That means don't worry. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. But then what does it go on to say? And the peace of God. 
that passes understanding will keep your hearts. Now, stop right there. Notice the Bible says that the peace of God that we find that keeps us comes after being careful for nothing, but with everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. That shows us there's things that are required of us in order to arrive at that place of peace. You say, well, I want peace in my life. Quit worrying. The peace came after being careful for nothing. You've got to persevere and not worry all the time. Just keep working through it, not worrying through it. That's where the peace comes from. And then it says what? Prayer. There's peace on the other side of prayer. Can I tell you there's been times in my life I've had to persevere through prayer. You ever wanted to quit praying? There's somebody that I've been praying for. I'm going to guess right now. Eight years, every day, every night, calling out their name in prayer. And I've not seen any movement. And I want to quit sometimes. Look, if I want to get to that place of peace, I've got to persevere through prayer. Joseph has arrived at this place of peace. I want you to see this tonight. Don't miss this, okay? But he didn't get here easily. We all want to be there, but we don't want to start in the pit. We don't want to go down the path. We don't want to go to Potiphar's. We don't want to go to prison, but we want to end up at the place of peace. It's not going to happen that way. If we're going to get to this place of peace where finally we've reached the place where God is using us in the area he intended for us, we've got to be willing to persevere in order to get there. One of my favorite verses, Isaiah 26.3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Notice the Bible says that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. That means I have a part to play in reaching the place of peace. I can't just say, God, I, I don't like the world we're living in. I don't like the problems that we have. Would you just give me some peace? God says you're going to have to persevere to find the place of peace. And tonight Joseph's going to show us how we get to this place. Just today. Uh, I had the opportunity to go for Brother Green uh, to the uh, Fallen Officers Memorial at the Lake Terrace Convention Center. I had never heard about it. Brother Green invited me to go. Uh, his grandfather died in the line of duty. Was it 1927, Brother Green? Uh, Brother ha uh, Mr. Hagwood was his name in pursuit of an armed gunman uh, and died in an automobile accident. So I got to go there today and all these policemen were there and sheriff's deputies were there, state troopers were there. Uh, and they were going through a memorial, a 21-gun salute for fallen officers. Do you know what we call those officers? Peacekeepers. Peacekeepers. You go around that room and you ask any one of those men and any one of those women that were there, is it easy to keep peace? Not at all. That's why they carry a gun. That's why they carry handcuffs. That's why they carry a taser. Why? Peace is not easy. You have to persevere in order to keep peace. There's two areas tonight that I believe Joseph is going to show us that we need to do or things we need to do in order to find this place of peace. Now, this is tough. This is tough tonight. I, I'm going to need you to hear me out and open your heart. I'm going to need you to listen to the Holy Spirit. There's two hurdles you need to overcome on your way to the place of peace. Joseph wouldn't have gotten here if he hadn't have crossed through these two areas. And I want to show them to you very simply, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. Now when someone can't refrain themselves, what does that mean? It means the emotions are getting the best of them. You ever been there? Uh, whether your emotion of sadness, maybe an emotion of anger, 
Uh, just last night, Leslie and Miley and I were watching a television show. Before long, uh, I looked around, and all three of us had tears rolling down our eyes. Now, it was a, it was a fictional show. It was not anything that even involved me, but man, my emotions got the best of me. And look, I'm a man, and I don't always like crying in front of people, but man, it was so hard. And uh, all of a sudden, I looked over, and Miley's crying. I looked over, and Leslie's crying, and, and then that even made it worse for me. What happened? The emotion just boiled over, and I could not refrain myself. There have been times I've been angry. Have you ever been that angry? Some of you, I'm sure you have. Some of you, I'd love to see you angry. Some of you, I've never, not with me, okay, with somebody else. I've never seen you boil over. Somebody's like, well, I just get so mad, and I just let them have it. I'm like, I'd love to see you let them have it. You know, some of the most meek, mild people that I've ever met in this room. And yet all of us have emotions. Once in a while, those emotions just boil to the top. And we can't refrain. So here's Joseph. And Joseph is standing in front of the very people that sold him into slavery. The very people who took him away from his dad. The very people who left him there to die without a problem in the world of wondering. Matter of fact, after they threw him in the pit, they sat down and had a picnic. I don't know how much heartless you can be. And yet Joseph is standing there. Now his emotions are about to boil over. The Bible says he could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried. Cause every man to go out from me. This is what he told them. Everybody leave except for my family. And I want you to notice what he says in verse 3. Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? I imagine when he said, I am Joseph, terror went through the heart of his brothers. Terror. Not only is he alive, and we have to tell dad that we lied, but he sits in a position of authority with armed guards all around him who could have us executed at just the, the, the utterance of it. And when he opens his mouth and says, I am Joseph, watch the next words. Doth my father yet live? Now, please stick with me tonight. I imagine his brothers were a little bit confused. For when he says, I am Joseph, the next words weren't, you shall be executed. You're going to be run out of town. You're going to be uh, put in prison. No, no, it was not the emotion that they figured. Why? Because out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth spoke. What you were hearing from Joseph or what you were not hearing from Joseph was a reflection of what was going on in his heart. This is an important lesson we've got to get tonight. The reason that Joseph made it to this place of peace is because Joseph had made peace with his past. Because you could hear it in the very words that came out of his mouth. Number one tonight, I want you to follow with me if we could. The place of peace is a place of peace with the past. Nothing that Joseph had done to him was now boiling over in anger and vengeance. Joseph wasn't looking at them and ridiculing them and persecuting them, even though Joseph had the opportunity to do that. Joseph says, I am Joseph, thus my father live. Is my dad alive? How could Joseph do that and not be angry? How could Joseph look at those boys? I mean, I'm going to tell you, there's enough human in all of us tonight to have wanted to do some very unkind things to them. 
I mean, listen, your, your siblings probably made you mad as a child. What are some things you did to them? I don't want to know because I'll probably think less of you, okay? But you know, they sold him out. He ended up in prison. All of these things because of those guys. But can I tell you why Joseph is now at the place of peace? He's at the place of peace because along the road from the pit all the way up to the place of peace, he made peace in his heart with the past and things that had happened to him. Hear me out. Can I tell you why most Christians will never make it to the place of peace? They never make peace with their past. They're holding on to their past. They won't let go of their past. Now listen to me tonight. I want you to hear me, please. This is a critical, critical principle tonight of peace that you need to get. Paul references this principle in Philippians 3. Listen to what he says. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize. Now what is he saying? It's hard to reach for the prize when you're choosing to remember the past. Is that not what he just said? He says, forgetting those things which are behind. This is a principle. And reaching for the prize that's before us. Here's what Paul is saying. It's hard for us to reach for the prize. Can I tell you one of the greatest prizes you can ever reach for? Peace. Peace in your life, peace in your heart, peace in your home, peace with your children. And we reach for it and we reach for it. But most of us never attain the peace that we're reaching for. Can I tell you why? It's simple. It's very, very simple. Because we're too busy remembering the past. That's why we don't have peace. Paul says, i got to forget about it. Why? Because it's keeping me from the prize that I'm pressing toward. Folks, I believe this with all of my heart tonight. The reason we don't have peace in our life and we never make it to the place of peace is because we never get over our past. There's no doubt in my mind you can't read chapter 45 and, realize, and not realize Joseph had made peace with his past. You read how he talked to his brothers, how gently he wept aloud. The Bible says in verse number 3, he told his brothers, hey, is my dad alive? His brothers couldn't answer them. Verse 4, he said to his brethren, brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved. It doesn't sound like he's bitter. It doesn't sound like he's angry. It sounds to me like somewhere from the, between the pit and the prison to this place of peace, Joseph made peace with the past. I believe tonight what keeps a lot of us from having peace in our life is we refuse to let go of the past, the things that are behind us. Now, how do we do that? This is wonderful tonight. I just pray. I prayed all afternoon. Holy Spirit, speak well beyond what my mouth can do because you need to hear this tonight. You need to get this principle tonight, Isaiah 26.3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Watch this. How do you make peace with the past? Well, it's all about a matter of focus. Watch closely. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You know, one thing I have found it's hard to focus on two things at once. When, I, when I'm sitting in my office, I listen to the sound of rain uh, on my AirPods. Because if I listen to songs with words, I start listening to the words. And next thing you know, I'm writing the words to the song in my notes. And then one day I'm going to sit up here looking at my notes saying, what does that mean? You know? 
It's hard for me to focus on two things at once. And so I listen to rain. There's nothing to focus on but rain. It's just noise that kind of blocks out all the other noise. And I'm able to focus on what I'm reading. You see, it's the same way with what we're reaching for. It's hard to reach while we're remembering. You can't do both. It's like trying to look in the rearview mirror while you drive forward. It's not going to end very well for you. Now, hear me out. There's a story I heard years ago by one of my favorite preachers, Dr. Jim Shetler. He was my Bible doctrines teacher in uh, homeschool. And then later in life, I got to meet and got to know him. And we've gotten a little bit closer in the last few years. Lord willing, he's going to come preach for us, uh, looks like early next year. And he told the story about going back to the town that he grew up in to preach. He told the story, and I can't remember all of the details, but he went and he passed by the house that he used to live in as a child. It was at that house that there was a lot of tumultuous things happened in his heart and his life and in his family. A lot of heartbreaking things happened while he lived at that house. And here's what he said. He says, when I looked at that house, all the memories of that house and all the things I went through when I lived at that house came rushing back into my heart. He said, all of a sudden, that anxiety came back, that fear came back, that worry came back. He said, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit reminded him, you don't live there anymore. He says, you know, I begin to focus on where I live now. And now, he, at the time, he lived in California, getting to preach at a Bible college, preaching at West Coast Baptist College. He had to travel around the country and encourage young people and couples to serve the Lord. And he says, I'm so thankful that I've moved on from this house. I don't live there anymore. I live in the, in the will of God for my life and experiencing the joy of the Lord in my life. What happened is about focus. You see, our problem is we're focused on our past and we're missing out on the prize and the prize is peace tonight. That's why we don't have peace. Hey, can I tell you by the grace of God, you don't have to live there anymore. Joseph says, I'm not in the pit anymore. I'm not on the path anymore. I'm not in the prison anymore. Hey, I found the place of peace because I kept my focus on God the whole way through. Folks, tonight you can have peace. We can have peace. How do we have peace? Well, it's very simple. He says, whose mind is stayed on thee. That means I've got to make sure I keep my focus where God would have me to have it. Think about this verse tonight. Never thought of it in light of this until we're preparing for the message. Psalms 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, I want you to hear one word in there. God is our refuge and strength, a very what? Oh, very what? Come on now. Present. Do you know what that tells me? God operates in the present. God operates in the here and now. God wants to work in my life. He is a very present help right here, right now. Here's the problem. We can't have that present help if we're too busy living in the past. That's why we don't have the help that God wants to give us. That's why we don't have the peace that God wants to give us. Why? Because we're still thinking about the pit. Man, that pit that I was in and where I was sold out. And boy, I just can't believe they would do that to me. You're missing out on present help because of past problems. He could have sat there and think, man, my brother's put me in prison. All because of them. I ended up in prison. And boy, as soon as I get out of here, you're in trouble. No. He kept his mind stayed on thee. And what did he get? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Do you know what perfect peace is? It doesn't mean we don't have any troubles. It means complete peace. To where God keeps us in complete peace in spite of all the things that are going on around us. 
Tonight, here's the question I want to ask you before I give you the second point. This is important. What's your focus? What is your focus? Is it the pain of the past or the peace of the present? You can't focus on both. Paul said you either got to forget or reach one or the other. You can't do both. And tonight, wouldn't you love it to be able to sit like Joseph sitting and look at people who've done you wrong? Maybe it's family members. You know, sometimes family members can hurt you worse than anybody. Do you know why? Because they're closer to you. Look, I can be nice to everybody in the world sometimes and be less kind to my own wife. We're all capable of that. Maybe it's family members. Maybe somebody in your home has hurt you. Maybe somebody left a scar on your heart. Maybe somebody said something about you. Hey, maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe somebody in your class. God forbid, maybe somebody at the church. And all you can think about is what they did to you. As long as you focus on the pain of the past, you will never have the peace of the present that passes all understanding. He said, well, you don't know what they did to me. That's why it's called passeth understanding. Because it doesn't make sense that you'd be able to get over what you're able to get over. But God's peace will do just that for you. So you don't understand. Well, I understand Joseph was thrown into a pit. I don't know how many of us have had that happen to them. Sold into slavery, lied about and put into prison. And yet here he is at the place of peace. Today I went back and read the details just to make sure I had all this right on the story of Elizabeth Smart. Last year made 20 years since her abduction. Here's this young girl kidnapped from her home in the middle of night. Over the next nine months of her life, she would be assaulted and abused and held captive. The story of Elizabeth Smart is an amazing, amazing story. She's a motivational speaker now and has her own family. And a reporter asked her one day, I went back and read it today, how does she keep going and how does she move on? Here's what she said. I'm going to paraphrase it for time. The abductors took nine months of my life. Every day I focus on the past is like giving them another day of life. And I refuse to let them rob me of that. She says, they took nine months of my life. And every day that I live in the past, it's robbing me of another day. And I'll not let them have the pleasure of that. Tonight, folks, listen, you may not have got to have chosen the pit. Sometimes there's pits along the way. You may not have got to chose the path that you're on. You may not have got to decide about the prison that you've been into. But you do have the choice tonight of whether or not you're going to live there. Joseph says, I don't live there anymore. I've moved on from the pit. I've moved on from the path. I've moved on from the prison. And now I've made it to the place of peace. I would not give my past one more thought of robbing my future. I wouldn't let it keep me from anything that God desires to do in my life. And that means bring peace to our life. Think about it this way. Peter's greatest sermon was after his greatest failure. He stood up at Pentecost and Peter would preach. And thousands would come to know Christ as their Savior. That was after he denied Christ. What if, what if Peter had been an American Christian? I'll tell you what he would have done. He would have wallowed in his victimhood. We live in a society of victimhood. Listen to me. I hope you hear my heart tonight. I'm, I'm a little excited about it, and I'm passionate about it because it's truth. All right? I think we ought to be passionate about truth. There's enough people passionate about the lies. God's people ought to be passionate about truth. And it's very, if, if Peter was an American Christian, he would have given up and quit on God. Why? Because of his past I'll never do anything for him. I denied him when he needed me most. 
Can you imagine how that weighed on Peter's heart? I denied Christ when he needed to be most at the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be hauled off prisoner, and I had the biggest failure of my life. And yet his greatest sermon he would ever preach would be after that. After that. What does that mean? That means Peter chose not to live there. Yes, I failed. Yes, I messed up. But you know what? God's grace is sufficient. I'm going to make my way to the place of peace. And oh, look, I don't know. I'm just going to give you my opinion. Peter's up there preaching on Pentecost. I kind of have a feeling the devil may have tried to remind him about his failure at Gethsemane. Oh, he probably stood up there on his shoulder. Did the devil ever do that to you? Did he ever remind Some of you have never had a failure, right? Uh, so maybe the devil doesn't remind you of yours like he does me. But oh, he'll remind me of my failures. The times where the sermon didn't go as well. The times where it felt like it just didn't flow out. And you go back to the office and feel like a failure. And the devil says, why don't you just quit? I'll tell you why. Because God's grace is sufficient. And just as God was with Joseph in the pit, on the path, in the prison, God's going to be faithful to never leave me nor forsake me and get me to the place of peace. Think about this tonight. Not only did Peter... Preach his greatest sermon after his greatest mistake. But Job's greatest prosperity was after his greatest loss. Read Job 42. I went and read it today. Job 42, the Bible says that Job prospered abundantly more after his loss than before his loss. What is God trying to show us tonight? There is a place of peace. But you're going to have to make peace with your past. Tonight, it could be past failures. Tonight, it could be past mistakes in your life with other people. Tonight, it could be uh, shortcomings in your past where you haven't been faithful to God as you ought to be. Can I tell you, there's a place of peace for you tonight, but you've got to make peace with your past. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the pain. Let go of the problems. How do you move on tonight? Well, it's simply a matter of focus. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Do you know what Hebrews 12, 2 sounds like? It sounds like Isaiah 26. Whose mind is stayed on me. What does he say? Keep your focus on Christ. Keep your focus on Christ. Why? Because listen to what it says at the end of verse 3. Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Do you know when you want to quit? When you want to faint? It's when you lose your focus. So how do you know that? Well, he says twice, watch this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And in verse 3, he says, for consider him. Here's what he's saying. The reason we don't have peace is we're focusing on our past rather than focusing on our future, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, watch, he didn't give up on the way to Mount Calvary. He just kept moving. He went all the way to Gethsemane, all the way up Calvary through the power of God and the grace of God in his life. He got victory, so that means we can too. For consider him. Keep your focus on him. Tonight, if our past is what is holding us back from our future, it's because we're choosing to focus on that. Think about Paul. Paul's greatest service in his life. You know, he served God, he thought, before he got saved. He did a lot of religious-y stuff, right? A lot of churchy stuff. But then he got saved, and he went on to serve God. One of the greatest preachers that, that I think our world has ever seen outside of Christ. But I want you to think about this. Paul's greatest service came after his greatest sin. You say, what was his greatest sin? Well, my heart, my opinion, let me give you this. I think it was standing there and watching Stephen getting his brains beat out. Surely someone who consented to the death of an innocent soul like Stephen 
surely their life is over and they'll never do anything for God. No, he would go on to become one of the greatest preachers outside of Christ our world has ever seen. But you see, he was after. He was after. Tonight, folks, I, I think we don't realize how much our past is keeping us from the peace of God's presence. In God's present, excuse me. I want to show you the alternative before I give you the second thing. In 1 Samuel 18, an amazing event happens in the life of Saul. 1 Samuel 18, here they are after the battle. David and Saul come through, and what are they singing? David, uh, Saul has killed his thousands. David's killed his ten thousands. All right? Everything was fine up until that moment. And Saul all of a sudden says, what are they saying? Well, David's killed his ten thousands. And, and what do they say about me? Hundreds? No, 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 thousands. When you read 1 Samuel 18, verse number 9, you can tell Saul got his feelings hurt. His feelings are hurt. I mean, I mean, look, folks, we're human. We're emotional creatures. We get our feelings hurt. I want you to listen to what the Bible says about Saul in that moment. He didn't deal with the feelings he was having, and listen to what it says. And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Verse 10 says, an evil spirit came upon him. And the rest of the story of Saul is one of bitterness and anger and revenge. Can I tell you why Saul went down the path he did? The Bible says he eyed David. His focus now went to him. Took his focus off of where it should have been. Got his focus on man. By the way, it's always trouble when you get your focus on man. We will all disappoint you. And he started looking at David. The Bible says an evil spirit came upon him. What happened? Watch. Every day, Saul carried his past into his present and ruined his future. He never could get over who David was and all that David did. You see, he didn't deal with it. That's what happens when you don't deal with your past. That's what happens when you don't deal with the feelings of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness you have in your heart. That's what happens. And next thing you know, you're a madman like Saul whacking everybody. Why? Because he didn't deal with it. What was it? It was the feelings he had in his heart, the emotions he had in his heart. You say, well, it's hard to forget tonight. It's hard to forget. Can I encourage you with something real quick? I hear this all the time, forgive and forget. You know it's impossible to forget, right? Unless you had COVID. And there's some things I forgot. <laughs> Some things I can't remember today. Save my life. I don't know if it's 40 or COVID, but maybe it's a combination of the two. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Watch close. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is choosing not to remember. That's what forgiveness is. You say, well, you know what? I, I'm going to forgive them, but I'm not going to forget. No, you're, you, I mean, how could you not forget, okay? But forgiveness is not necessarily forgetting about what happened. It's choosing not to remember it. You see, because here's what the devil does. The devil wants to bring that thought back to your mind from your past. Remember how they hurt you. Remember what they said about you. Remember how it made you feel. And he brings that to you, and you have to decide, are you going to choose to think on those things? That's why the Bible tells us to think on these things. What sort of things are pure and lovely and just? Think on these things. Why? We have the power to choose what we think about. The devil didn't make you do anything. And all of a sudden, the devil brings up your past, and he brings it up, and he says, why don't you think on this a while? Remember what they said about you? 
Remember what they did to you? They talked about your kids. They did this to your family. Remember all of that? And he brings it up to your mind. Watch. Forgiveness, look, is no more clear than when you make the decision, I choose not to remember that. You know, there's things I've seen in my life that I wish I didn't see. Pictures that I wish I had not seen. I've seen them with my eyes. They're in there. They're floating around in there. All the men said, amen. Every once in a while, the devil will go to a filing cabinet, and he'll try to pull one of those images out of the filing cabinet. I have to decide, am I going to think on it or not? You're thinking, well, amen, that's good. Can I tell you forgiveness is the same thing? It's the same thing. The devil goes to a filing cabinet in your mind. Maybe you see that person, you hear their name mentioned, and all of a sudden you think to yourself, yeah, I remember. And you go to that filing cabinet, and you start pulling that file out. There's a sign that you haven't forgiven them. Forgiveness is when you choose not to remember rather than reliving it day after day after day. Because if you do, can I tell you what it's going to cost you? It's going to cost you this place of peace in your life. I'll give you you a verse real quick. Acts chapter 6, verse number 1. It talks about one of the most beautiful people in the Bible. And I believe that was Stephen. He was a beautiful soul. The Bible says that as Stephen sat being persecuted and grilled, The Bible says, and all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Do you know what that means? Stephen had peace. He had peace. He was not letting the proceedings take away his peace. He says, you know, what they're saying and what they're doing, I'm I'm not going to let it take my peace. And listen to what it goes on to say in chapter 7, verse 60. The Bible says as they beat his brains out, stoning him, he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Can you imagine how hard that was? Somebody's beating your brains out, stoning you for preaching Christ. And you have enough God in you to look up and say, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. How do you do that? Well, here's here's how you do that. Stephen was not going to let the pain he was experiencing rob him of his peace. I'm not going to give in to the pain. I'm not going to give in to the persecution. I've got to remain in this place of peace. And oh, what a testimony Stephen has. Oh, the testimony you and I could have if we just lived in this place of peace in spite of our pain and in spite of our persecution. It's a real place tonight that I don't know that we realize with the power of God we can live, but we can. So how do you know? How do you know your past something? How do you know your past is in your past? Let me show you real, real quick. You look at the life of Joseph. I want you to read something with me. Look down. Verse number 5. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Watch this. You know your past something. When your past, watch, did not make you bitter anymore. It does not make you bitter anymore. Your past makes you better. Here's what Joseph's saying. Listen, listen, guys. I know you did that to hurt me, but wait a minute. God had a better plan. And now because I'm here, your life is better. My life is better. Our family's life is going to be better. That's how you know you're finally past something. When your past does not make you bitter, your past makes you better. And we see that in the life of Joseph. That's where we've got to go on the road of the place of peace. Number one, it's a place where we find peace with our past. Do you have peace with your past tonight? The second point, it's the shortest, but it could be the hardest. 
It's probably a little bit harder than making peace with your past. Let me show you what it was. Verse number four, and Joseph said unto his what? Brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. I want you to think about this. Sometimes getting over the failure of our past is easy. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes getting over disappointments of the past, that's easy. Sometimes it's hard. But one of the hardest things to get over is what Joseph's having to get over in verse number four. You see, what he's having to get over has a face. It's his, what does it say in verse four? His brethren. Now, this is tough. In order to come to the place of peace, number two tonight, you're going to find that the place of peace is a place where you make peace with your people. Make peace with your people. I told you tonight it's not going to be very eloquent, but it's, it's truth from God's word tonight you need to hear. Circumstances sometimes will have a tendency to distract us from our peace. I agree with that. Difficult circumstances, troubles come our way, that can distract us from peace. But probably the greatest hurdle to maintaining a place of peace in my life is maintaining peace with people. Correct? You're going to find if you try to live for God for five minutes that one of the hardest things that's going to keep you from having peace in your life is the fact that you have to interact with people. Right? Everybody smile because everybody is around people. Some of you are looking at me like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Look, God knows your heart, okay? Now I want you to think about tonight the peace we need. The peace we need is the peace of God because the peace of God passes understanding. That's the peace we need. It's peace in the pit. It's peace in the prison. It's peace wherever we're at. That's the kind of peace we need. But how do we have that peace of God? Well, listen close. Mark 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any that your father, if you have ought against any, that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. Matthew 6. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Do you know what he's telling us tonight? My peace with God is directly affected by my peace with man. Whether or not I have peace with God vertically is dependent upon the peace that I have with man. That's what the Bible says, that I have to forgive. I believe tonight the reason Joseph had peace in his life is because he made peace with his brothers. That even though his brothers had done all of those things to him, Joseph had peace with God because he forgave his brothers. And I want you to understand that's one of the hardest things to do in the Christian life is to forgive when you were the one who were wronged. Watch what happens, if you will. He says, now therefore be not grieved or angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. You say, how do you know he forgave them? Watch what he's doing. Here's Joseph, and Joseph is comforting his brothers. He's comforting the very people that hurt him. Now folks, tonight, I don't know of a greater picture that you could see of forgiveness than the life of Joseph when he's the one who is calming his brothers down. Hey guys. I know you're scared, I know you, what you did to me, and I know you probably think I'm going to have your head chopped off. But Joseph shows them compassion in verse number 5. What does the Bible say in the book of Jude? And some having compassion making a difference. I don't know about you, I want my life to make a difference. And the Bible says that one of the keys to making a difference in other people's lives is for me to have compassion in their life. Here's Joseph making a difference in the life of his brothers by doing what? By having forgiveness. And that's hard. Boy, I tell you, there's probably not a day goes by 
Probably not a week goes by. You don't have someone who gets on your nerves, maybe someone who hurts your feelings, as in the case of Saul. And yet the Bible tells us we forgive them. Why? Because we want God to forgive us. And when God forgives us, you know what we have? Peace. Peace. I want you to look down to something beautiful. And um, look down to verse number 3. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Joseph said unto his brethren, watch this, come near. Come near. Now, he's not calling them in to hurt them. Joseph is drawing them near. You know why? That's what reconciliation is. Come near. Come near. You always show you a surefire way to know that you've got to the place where you're You've made peace with people in your life. It's because of closeness. He's not holding them at, at arm's length. Do you know when I get hurt, do you know what the, uh, the tendency I have in my life is? When I get hurt, my tendency is to push people away. Anybody else like that? Push people away. Why? You don't want to get hurt again, right? Nobody likes to get hurt. You touch a burner that's hot, what are you going to do? You want to pull away from that. Why? Because it hurt. A sure sign that you have healed over and you've found forgiveness, and you've given forgiveness, is you're doing what Joseph's doing in verse number 4. Watch what he says. Come near. Come near. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, the Bible says, Therefore, if, thy, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Do you know, sometimes in order to have peace, you have to close the distance. Notice it says you go to them. You go to them. I hate having to do that. Every once in a while, I have to do that. You know, look, uh, I don't know what you think about me, but I'm not the dummy that some folks think I am. Brother Richard thinks I'm a dummy because he laughs. And you can tell chilliness. You can tell when the spirit's broken. Fellowship's not right. Now, folks, I'm not, I'm not all in touch with my feels, but I think the Holy Spirit gives us discernment to know when something's not right. You feel it. It's a coldness. There's a distance. As a Christian, that ought to bother us. That ought to bother us. When we feel like our brothers in Christ, no matter how obnoxious they may be, are distant. Because that body needs to be fitly joined together, not distant. The Bible says, Matthew 5, what did it say? Thou rememberest thy brother hath ought against thee. <laughs> Basically, it's his problem. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. I think Joseph in verse 4 is showing us what reconciliation looks like. What, what is he saying? Come near. Come near. I know we've been distant. And I know that you thought I was out of the picture, but I'm pulling you close. I'm saying come near. He was reconciling with them. Can I tell you tonight... Maybe the reason you can't come to the place of peace, number one, you can't get, make peace with your past. There's something in your past, and as long as you live in the past, you'll not have the peace of the present that God wants you to have. But could it be tonight the reason you can't make it to the place of peace that Joseph is at is because you haven't made peace with people. People. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it means you're going to have to apologize Sometimes it means you're going to have to go to them. Sometimes it means you're going to have to own up to something you don't want to own up to. But I'll, I'll tell you this, peace is worth it. Peace is worth it. 
Notice what Joseph says real quickly before we close. Verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve your posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. I find it amazing that Joseph wants to be close to his brothers, have compassion on his brothers, and he's concerned about how his brother feels. He said, how do you know that? Well, he tells them, hey, God sent me before you. Hey, don't feel bad. How could it not feel bad? I sold you into slavery. I don't know that that's going to make you feel better. But he's concerned about them. You see, that's how you know you're forgiven. When finally that concern comes back. Oh, there have been people who have done me wrong. There have been people that I've done wrong. And I want to tell you, the people that have done me wrong, there have been at times I don't have to ever see their face or hear their voice again. That's not the kind of Christian I should ought to be. And that's not the Christian you ought to be either. Can I tell you how you know when you're forgiven? When now you're concerned about them. I've made people mad. Believe it or not. I know that's crazy. But I've made people mad before. And people be mad at me. And there's some people mad at me that I don't even know about, to be honest with you. you got to tell me if you're mad, okay? Don't make me figure it out. You ask my wife. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. It takes me a while to figure out when she's mad. Man, people get mad at you. And you know why they're mad at you. And you're like, you know, you have no right to be mad at me. I should be mad at you. Watch, and then you let God work in your heart. And then God breaks your heart for them, realizing that bitterness is going to kill them. And now you're concerned about them. And now you know you've forgiven them because you're concerned about their life, their direction, and where they're going. Now you're thinking, this is super Christian stuff. No, 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 no. It's capable through the power of God in our life. But you got to decide, watch this, I'm not going to live there. I'm not going to live in the pain of my past, the problems of my past. I choose, like Joseph, to live in the peace of the present. Can I ask you this tonight? In order to have peace, do you need to find peace with your past? The good news is, it's between you and God. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You go to God, you'll find peace with God. But look, you're going to have to get beyond your past. But could it be there's a failure in your past, a loss in your past, a pain in your past? And man, you just keep focusing on it, but God, it hurts. He says, I want to give you a very present help. I want to work in your present, but you're going to have to quit living in the past. And as long as you're living in the past, you say, well, I'm not living in the past. Can I tell you how you can know if you're living in the past? Just listen to yourself talk. You're amazed at how often it comes up. Do you know that's how I knew In times in my life, I had not forgiven because it kept coming out of my mouth. I kept talking about my pain. I realized I hadn't forgiven. You never hear Joseph talk about it. Yeah, let me tell you how bad the pit was. It was like being sold into slavery. I mean, the rest of my life, I probably would have dug at my siblings and dug at them, yeah. You don't know what it's like to be in prison. No, Joseph never says anything. You know why? He was past it. Was in his past. All you see in the life of Joseph is peace. Peace. Why? He got past his past, and finally, watch, he got peace with people. Tonight, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But the reason you may not be able to come to this place of peace may be a person. Maybe a person. Galatians 5, you did run well. Who did hinder you? It was a person. Who? 
Tonight it may be a who. And you're thinking, well, you just don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they went through. You don't know the disappointment, the embarrassment. Okay, I don't know. But God preserved the story of Joseph for some reason. He wanted us to see you go in the pit. You get on the path. You go to Potiphar's. You get in the prison. You can still have peace. But you got to get past your past. And you're going to have to get peace with people tonight. One question. Do you have peace? Are you at the place of peace? You can get there. Did you make peace with your past? Make peace with people. That's it tonight. Heads are bowed.